1: go. Episode 543 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023, and it now is official. The Capitals have been eliminated from postseason contention. Now, the Caps on Tuesday night did not play, but the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night did play. They beat the Buffalo Sabres 2-1, and that Panthers win officially eliminated the Caps from postseason contention. The streak is over. The cap streak of making the Stanley Cup playoffs in each of eight consecutive seasons is over. This season, the first season since the 2013-2014 season that the Caps do not make the Stanley Cup playoffs, and this season, just the second season that the Caps do not make the Stanley Cup playoffs since the start of the 2007-2008 season. What really has become a springtime tradition in the Washington, D.C. area, the Caps being in the Stanley Cup playoffs (laughs) and the Caps, with the rare exception, uh, getting eliminated in the first or second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But that tradition is no more, at least not this year, hopefully back to being in effect next year, the Caps making the Stanley Cup playoffs, not being eliminated in a first or second round. You know, you think about this calendar year of 2023, the Commanders, the Wizards, and the Capitals, all not making the playoffs. Nationals, <laughs> it is up to you. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It was late Tuesday afternoon that Commanders head coach Ron Rivera was on. at a special place, the World War I Memorial in Washington, D.C. This was due to Ron having won the 2022 Salute to Service Award, which is an award that acknowledges, per the NFL, quote, the exceptional efforts by members of the NFL community to honor and support members of the military community, end quote. Now, Ron did take questions from reporters. He essentially repeated a lot of what he said in his session with reporters on March 28th at the NFL's annual league meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm not going to do a whole thing on what Ron said, but he did clarify something that he said on March 28th. Uh, That's something, quote, we are roster building, I think, for the first time, end quote. Uh, Here was the clarification. It came via this exchange with Commander's Insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. You had yeah. the
2: comment with these guys last week at owners meetings about this is your first offseason of true roster building. Right. What would you describe the first couple seasons as or what got in the way well, of the true roster building? The, the the roster build is you're building around a a, a quarterback situation that, that, that you feel pretty good about, but also it's a it's a it's a rookie quarterback salary that you're working around more so anything else. And so with that, you know, we were able to to to, to make some money, spread it, uh, you know, um, um, make some money just last and be able to spread it around to, 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 to more than one or two guys you know we we were we felt like you know we may not have been going for the upper upper echelon guys but we we're we were at a pretty good tier and we're pretty excited about those guys we really are and that's what made it exciting is, is that you know we were able to do that you know when you when you Try to work around a quarter uh, uh, a quarterback situation where you're trying to find that guy. You spend a little bit more than you really want to, um, and you put yourself in, in in that position where you you can't just go out and say, hey, you know, hey, we like this tackle and we like this guard and that center. You know, we like you know we like this linebacker. You know, now we were able to do that, and that's what I meant by it. Is that you know when you're when you're dealing off of the uh, and somebody I don't know somebody put it out there. That they, they, they showed, you know, what right now, what it is like with these two quarterbacks in terms of, you know, what our total expenditure is for this season. I mean, that, and that's a good number for us to be able to work around. That's what we, that's what I meant by that.
1: All righty. <laughs> Yet another installment of the language of Ron Rivera, Ron Ease. What he said right there was along the lines of what he said to NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB via comments that I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 542, Ron Rivera once again changing his tune on paying quarterbacks. What he said in that cut that I just played for you isn't wrong, but (laughs) this is not what he was saying last offseason, although this was what he was saying two offseasons ago. Ron has gone back to saying what he said During the 2021 offseason, in which Washington signed quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year $10 million contract, but Ron did not say this last offseason when the commanders, of course, traded for quarterback Carson Wentz, who for the 2022 season had a salary cap hit of $28.29 million. So we have gone from, yeah, not spending a lot on a quarterback is the way to go, to you got to do whatever it takes to get a franchise quarterback, to now back to, yeah, not spending a lot on a quarterback is the way to go. And oh, by the way, you know, Ron in his first offseason as Washington head coach, the 2020 offseason, had what? Had a quarterback being positioned to be the team's QB1 for the upcoming season on a rookie contract, right? Dwayne Haskins. Don't forget that. What Ron has this offseason in Sam Howell, Ron did have in that 2020 offseason a quarterback entering his second NFL season and on a rookie contract. Ronnie's, you gotta love it. Anyway, coming up on the show, NBA legend, Irvin Magic Johnson. He on Tuesday morning, was on the Today Show on NBC talking about being part of the group, being led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner, Josh Harris, to buy the Commanders. Magic confirmed that he's part of the group, talked about wanting to buy the Commanders, talked about wanting to win a Super Bowl As Commander's owner, next segment, I'll play for you and react to what Magic had to say and talk about what Magic Johnson as a minority owner of the Commanders might mean for the team. Uh, After that, notable NFL draft news for the Commanders on Tuesday morning. Multiple reports that the Commanders have scheduled a top 30 visit with Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Are we getting a hooker? There's no shame in getting a hooker, is there? No, of course not. Well, we we know that the Commander's top two quarterbacks for the 2023 season are set to be Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett in some order. But the team could use a QB3 with real promise, real upside. And to me, if you don't have a franchise quarterback, then you need to constantly be searching and mining for a franchise quarterback. Well, Mike, Hendon Hooker makes sense. There is a lot to consider with Hendon Hooker, including signs that his draft stock is rising, although a lot of that might be gamesmanship by teams. But Hooker reportedly is making a good number of top 30 visits to teams. Uh, I mentioned the Nats, a brutal loss for them on Tuesday night closer. Kyle Finnegan in the top of the ninth gave up three home runs. He allowed five runs. He recorded a mere one out that adds lost to the Tampa Bay Rays at 10-6 at Nationals Park. I'll discuss what went down, including (laughs) manager Davey Martinez just leaving Finnegan out there to get whacked around. I uh, will talk Orioles. Uh, they won on Tuesday night, 7-2 at the Texas Rangers. Starting pitcher Kyle Gibson, very good. And the O's in going for a three-game sweep at the Rangers in Game 3 on Wednesday afternoon at five, reportedly are calling up their top pitching prospect, Grayson Rodriguez, to be their starting pitcher for that game. Uh, I also have a Wizards segment for you. Their tank continued on Tuesday night, 6 key wizards did not play in a 140-128 loss to the NBA leading Milwaukee Bucks at Capital One Arena. I love it. The Wizards are embracing the tank as their season comes to an end. You can tweet me at algaldi, you can email me the algaldi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Ryan in Winchester, Virginia on yet another instance of the national NFL media attacking the Commanders for not pursuing Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, writes, Ryan, did you see that football outsiders recently graded all 32 teams, free agencies, football outsiders actually graded the commanders lower because they have not pursued Lamar Jackson. This narrative is insane. I have never seen anything like it. How is Washington being criticized for not pursuing Lamar, but other NFL teams without franchise quarterbacks are not being criticized? This is a truly strange phenomenon. Anyway, keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you for the email, Ryan. You know, I did see that, and uh, that hit me particularly hard because, uh, as you probably know, I'm a big fan of Football Outsiders. Uh, I would say that other NFL teams have been called out for not pursuing Lamar Jackson, but there's no question that the commanders have taken the most criticism. And with them, it hasn't just been criticism, it also has been, like, lecturing and admonishing, Like the Commanders are a six-year-old who is misbehaving and needs to be scolded. Uh, I can't tell you how over the Commanders, Lamar Jackson stuff I am. And it's not because there isn't a legitimate argument for the Commanders to pursue Lamar. There is a legitimate argument for that. But there also is a very legitimate argument for the Commanders to not pursue Lamar. I have outlined that argument on this podcast and the national NFL media's ignoring of the argument for the commanders to not pursue Lamar to me has become obnoxious. I don't know if national NFL media pushing Lamar is because these reporters want Lamar to like them and or want him as a source or what, but this one-sided presentation of the Lamar Jackson situation really is off-putting. Email from Matt Baker on Ted Leonsis. The uh, managing partner of Monumental Sports and Entertainment, which of course owns the Capitals and Wizards, writes Matt, my DC Sports hot take is that Ted Leonsis is a terrible owner. The only reason that he doesn't get more heat is because of how once-in-a-generation awful Dan Snyder is. Imagine if Ted had not lucked into getting Alex Ovechkin. How different would our perception of Ted be? And even with Ted having lucked into Obi, years of Obi's prime were wasted with bargain bin head coaches. Ted runs his teams to make money first and win championships a distant second. You could argue that his loyalty to head coaches and general managers over the years has been more about not having to pay out contracts after firing those people. If Ted was loyal, how could he justify getting rid of Steve Buckhans and Phil Chenier? It was because Ted didn't want to pay them. That move still has me upset. Ted's goal for the Wizards is to make the playoffs yearly so that he can get the extra home ticket revenue. That would sound crazy if it wasn't the only possible logical reason for this treadmill of mediocrity that we have been stuck on for just about his entire tenure. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for all of the work that you put into your podcast. Well, thank you for that email, Matt. Uh, My TED take is this. uh, Overall, good job as Cap's owner. Overall, bad job as Wizards owner. I get the criticisms of Ted as Caps owner, and there is validity to those criticisms. But to me, the NHL is all about just making the Stanley Cup playoffs because pretty much any team that makes the Stanley Cup playoffs can win the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's ample data that speaks to that. And the Caps have done a remarkable job of making postseasons. Ted Leonsis became majority owner of the Caps in 1999, the Caps in Ted's 22 full seasons as a majority owner, 1999-2000 through 2021-2022, have made the Stanley Cup playoffs 17 times and, of course, won the Stanley Cup in 2018. Now, have the first and second round exits been painful? Uh, absolutely. But it's not like these Caps playoff teams have been teams that, like, eked into the playoffs. Uh, the Caps, over those 17 playoff appearances, have won the team's division at 12 times Uh, These have mostly been powerhouse Caps teams that so many of the teams went out in a first or second round of the playoffs uh, speaks more to the random nature of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to some players just not playing as they should, uh, then that speaks to ownership, in my opinion. Now, the Wizards are a different story. Uh, Ted became majority owner of the Wizards in 2010. Uh, He has spent a lot of money on players and he does deserve credit for that. But the results, of course, have not been good. And the harsh realities remain. The Bullets slash Wizards have not advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979 and have not had at least 50 wins in a regular season since the 1978-1979 season. Uh, that is pathetic, okay? The team has been mired in mediocrity for decades, and Ted's ownership has continued to perpetuate the mediocrity. I've been a Bullets slash Wizards fan my entire life as a sports fan. I don't know that I've ever been as down on the team as I am right now. It just really and truly feels like the team is going nowhere. And you know, even if the team this coming off season does re-sign Kyle Kuzma and Chris Daps Porzingis, as each guy can opt out of his contract, okay. But so what? I mean, the Wizards then will have Kuzma, Porzingis, and Bradley Beal under big money contracts for the purpose of what exactly? maybe possibly winning 45 games in a regular season and being, say, a five seed or a six seed in the NBA playoffs? Road to nowhere. If only we could take legal action against the mismanagement of our Wizards. Well, I'm not sure that we can do that, but I do know that if you have been harmed due to the negligence of someone else or someone who you care about has been harmed due to the negligence of someone else, the law firm of Paulson and Ace. Is there for you? Polson and Nace is to law firms with a 65 regular season win team is to the NBA championship caliber. None of this miring and mediocrity stuff. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Polson and Nace is a Washington, D.C. based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Colson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication— Victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts. Victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles. Victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising. Heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when to call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's Polson at Nace.com. And don't forget to tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. and Nace. If you have a case, contact Polson and Nace. What is it about the Today Show on NBC that the show has been where we now have had multiple prominent occurrences regarding the Commanders? Uh, It was on the Today Show on February 2nd, 2022, what the Commanders branded as 2.2.22, that we had the official announcement of the new name of the team being Commanders. And it was on the Today Show on Tuesday morning that we had NBA legend Magic Johnson confirming that he is in on trying to buy the Commanders. It was on March 20th that we had multiple reports that Magic had joined the group being led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner, Josh Harris, to buy the Commanders. And Magic, on Tuesday morning, on today, discussed his involvement in the bid Uh, I have two clips for you. The first one is Magic and the Today Show gang standing outside. Uh, You will hear Al Roker ask Magic about trying to buy the Commanders, and then you'll at various points hear a bunch of other people chime in, including Savannah Guthrie, who asks a question. Here you go.
0: What are we hearing about you uh, buying the Commanders? Wait, uh,
3: what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I went right to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, our bid is in. We hope that. we win. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen. You always win. That's it. Right. <laughs> always win. Yeah. You own a
0: no, lot of teams.
4: So, that's, so now you just have to design some new uniforms.
3: Yes, yes, yes. 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 So we'll see what happens with Mr. Snyder making that decision. So, but we're excited about. it.
0: I mean, you own a lot of
3: teams, but at NFL. I mean, that. Would well, that's be- the last thing, right? Yeah. We have the Dodgers. They have the Sparks. <laughs> have LaFC <laughs> yeah. and soccer. Yeah. We won the championship this season, so that was great. Wow. So we'll see what happens. Cookie and I, we love sports, and. Uh, How is Cookie? She's doing great. Yeah. She's doing great Cookie's and the uh, keeping her brother together. <laughs> <laughs> she's a real. That's tall order. Yes, <laughs> she's a yeah. real ball. <laughs> yes, she is.
1: All right, and as you likely know, Cookie is Cookie Johnson, Magic's wife. Uh, so Magic, in that cut, saying regarding being part of the Josh Harris group to buy the Commanders, quote, "Yes, our bid is in," end quote. Then Al Roker makes a joke about Magic needing to design new uniforms for the commanders. Boy, everyone loves to beat up on our team, (laughs) don't they? Uh, Then Magic talks about commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder eventually making a decision on who buys the team. Quote, we'll see what happens with Mr. Snyder making that decision End quote. Had you like that? Magic calling Dan Mr. Snyder. You know that Dan liked that. Uh, and then Magic talks about the other pro sports teams that he owns. Yeah, Magic Johnson is an experienced pro sports owner. Uh, he's part owner of Major League Baseball's Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, Major League Soccer's Los Angeles FC, and the WNBA's Los Angeles Sparks. All of those teams, by the way, have won championships with Magic as part owner, of uh, the Dodgers won the 2020 World Series, LAFC won the 2022 MLS Cup, and the Sparks won the 2016 WNBA title. And of course, uh, Magic as a player won some things. Uh, Magic uh, as a player for the Los Angeles Lakers won five NBA titles. Five NBA titles in nine seasons, by the way. Uh, also from Magic's appearance on the Today Show on Tuesday morning was an exchange with Craig Melvin, uh, who is a big Commanders fan. Craig Melvin uh, was a part of the reveal of the name Commanders on 2.2.22. Uh, in case you forgot, Craig Melvin, along with Washington Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, Team President Jason Wright, and Senior Advisor to Jason Super Bowl 17 MVP Doug Williams. All four guys were seated in chairs on the field in an <laughs> empty FedEx field on a freezing cold day in the nation's capital. Uh, Craig asked Jason a question, and then Jason gave Doug the honors. Here you go in case you forgot.
4: Let's not like make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the uh, What is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the commanders. <laughs> we are the commanders. The commanders. The Washington commanders. That's right. Uh, oh wow! You don't waste any time there. There it is.
1: And there it is. Uh, anyway, this was Craig with Magic in studio on Tuesday morning in a sit-down involving others from NBC.
4: Before we let you go, as a as a, a lifelong Washington uh football fan right. mm-hmm. uh, the prospect of magic johnson uh, being a part owner of the football team that i've loved since doug williams was quarterback in the late 80s what, what are our chances of 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 you w- 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 <laughs> w- 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 come on come on you don't lose magic you don't lose <laughs> you know
3: craig to your point you know i've gotten a ring in every sport but i need a super bowl ring and i would love to be uh the owner of the Commanders, um, do not only great work on the field, but the work we could do with the city. Yes. yes. Um, and I think that um, if they bless us, uh, Mr. Snyder blesses us with the opportunity to be an owner, it would be an emotional day for me. Yeah. And my father just died. So it would be, it would be a great moment for, for the Johnson family, as well as Josh Harris, who is the lead partner in this. To, to take that franchise and, and take it to another level. So I'm happen. excited about it. And, and another African American owner. Yes, I said, you, you and MJ.
1: Okay, and note another instance of Magic Johnson referring to Dan Snyder as Mr. Snyder. Uh, I personally do not get worked up over the Mr. Snyder thing, but I know that some people do. Hey, if you're magic and you want your bid for the commanders to be the winning bid, and, uh, which bid is the winning bid is Dan's call, uh, why not call him Mr. Snyder? Uh, for some potential bonus points. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Magic Johnson. As we talked about a few minutes ago, the guy has been an incredible winner. He, of course, is one of the best players in NBA history. He has had a lot of success in business. Uh, Magic is the chairman and chief executive officer of the investment conglomerate Magic Johnson Enterprises. Uh, His net worth is believed to be more than $600 million. I also think it's great that When you hear the name Magic Johnson, you no longer immediately think of HIV. I remember when we learned that Magic was HIV positive, November 1991. The thinking at that time was that Magic had been given a death sentence, and understandably so, because back then, if you had HIV, that meant that you would be getting AIDS and that you would be dying. Uh, That was such a sad, terrible development. Magic in November 1991 announcing that he was HIV positive. But here we are now, just about 31 and a half years later. I mean, think about that, three plus decades later, and Magic's not only still alive, but every indication is that he's doing fine. The advancements that have been made in treating people with HIV have been tremendous over these last few decades. Uh, Now, I should note that... Magic Johnson has had the financial means to get the very best treatment for HIV, treatment that a lot of people, especially those in other countries, cannot afford or do not have access to. But, you know, Magic Johnson has become exhibit A for how being HIV positive is not a death sentence. And that's a great thing. Uh, his involvement in the Josh Harris group is limited. Magic's ownership stake in the Commanders would be tiny. I mean, do the math. If the Josh Harris group buys the Commanders for $6 billion and Magic's net worth is in the six hundred millions of dollars, how much is he putting into the team? I mean, tens of millions of dollars at most. Uh, also, I do wonder how much Magic Johnson as an owner of the Commanders would Open doors for the team, as is being suggested, if not outright said, you know, this idea that Magic as an owner of the team would help with sponsorships and would help with getting a commander stadium in Washington, D.C. Hey, maybe I don't want to be dismissive of that thinking, but to me, (laughs) just Dan Snyder no longer being owner of the team is going to open doors. The number one impediment to the team in terms of sponsorships and the stadium search has been the presence of Dan as owner. Once that impediment is removed, uh, I believe that a lot of doors for the team are going to open. And when it comes to this idea that Magic is well-connected and can get deals done, again, I don't want to be dismissive of that thinking, but The Josh Harris group in this guy, Mitchell Rails, has someone who is far wealthier than Magic is and who is extremely well-connected and who has deep roots in the Washington, D.C. area. Billionaire Mitchell Rails. He grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, went to Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda. Uh, Mitchell Rails and his brother Stephen Rails in the 1980s co founded Danaher Corporation, which is a Fortune 500 science and technology company. Uh, Mitchell Rails and his wife Emily Rails in 2006 founded Glenstone, a private art museum. In Potomac, Maryland. I actually just drove by Glenstone the other day. I would not be surprised at all if Mitchell Rails opens more doors for the Commanders than anyone else in the uh, Josh Harris group, if in fact that group ends up buying the team. But look, Magic Johnson, as part owner of the Commanders, certainly could help. Uh, and hey, I hate focusing on race, okay? Because I think that there is way too much of that. In the media right now, but let's tell it like it is. It would not be the worst thing in the world for the NFL, at least from a perception standpoint, to have new team ownership that includes someone who is black. I hate even saying that because I can't stand reducing people to their race. Again, that's happening way too much these days. And Magic Johnson's identity is about so much more than his skin color, but. We know how things work right now, and I would not be at all surprised if the NFL looks at Magic Johnson as being part of Commander's ownership as favorable. He's a very likable guy. He's a very successful guy. He's a winner. And the Commanders certainly could use a lot more winning, both on and off the field. As the president of the team prior to Jason Wright once said, winning off the field.
2: We're winning off the field.
1: Yes, Bruce Allen, uh, winning off the field. Well, whether you are on the field or off the field, uh, you will be winning if you are wearing Shady Rays sunglasses, especially if you take advantage of the special offer that Shady Rays has for listeners of this podcast. Shady Rays is offering a great deal to listeners of this podcast 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Ray's sunglasses, they look good, they feel good. Shady Ray's is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Ray's offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Ray's will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Here's a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code AlGaldy. For 50% off, two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off, two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good. Well, the sale of the Commanders does not mean that we still do not have football with the Commanders. The first round of the 2023 NFL Draft is on April 27th, three weeks from this Thursday. And we on Tuesday morning got some interesting Commanders Draft news, multiple reports that the Commanders have scheduled a top 30 visit with Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Uh, A top 30 visit is one of 30 in-house visits that each NFL team is allowed with a prospect prior to his NFL draft. Uh, The phrase top 30 visit, of course, doesn't literally mean that each player who a team hosts for a top 30 visit is among the team's top 30 players for the draft. And of course, just because a team hosts a player for a top 30 visit doesn't even mean that the team likes the player or even is considering drafting the player. It can be that a team uses a top 30 visit on a player to, uh, feign interest in a player in order to entice another team to make a trade. After all, NFL draft season is known as lying season. However, the commanders reportedly scheduling this top 30 visit with Hendon Hooker stands out, A, because he's a quarterback and our team remains without a franchise quarterback, B, because he's a quarterback who could be taken in the first round of the draft, although most of what I've seen and heard with him are non-first round grades, but you are starting to hear rumblings of Hendon Hooker being taken in the first round, and C, because we on Tuesday morning had this tweet from NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB, quote, Sources: The commanders are scheduled to have just one QB in for a 30 visit. Tennessee's handed Hooker. He'll come in during the last week. Visits are allowed, which will allow Washington to get an update on his knee and some time with the Vols star. End quote. So, at least according to Breer, who, as we have established, has a good relationship. With Commanders head coach Ron Rivera, the only quarterback who the Commanders are having for a top 30 visit, at least as of now, is Hendon Hooker. Now, could this be subterfuge? Absolutely. After all, we last draft season had a whole lot out there about the Commanders loving Ohio State receiver Chris Olave. Remember that? And then what happened? The team traded its number 11 overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft to the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints, with that number 11 overall pick, took Chris Olave. And the Commanders, with the number 16 pick in the 2022 Draft, took receiver Jahan Dodson. It turned out that the Commanders were just fine passing on Olave and taking Dodson. So who knows how the Commanders truly feel about-handed hooker. He is coming off a major injury, so their top 30 visit with him may well mostly be about seeing where he's at with the injury. But obviously, the Commanders would not care about where he's at with the injury if they didn't have at least some interest in drafting him. Uh, I very much want the Commanders open to taking a quarterback in the 2023 draft, including in the first round. uh, No position in sports matters more than quarterback. The Commanders do not have a franchise quarterback. And when you, as an NFL team, do not have a franchise quarterback, you need to constantly be searching for a franchise quarterback. I am excited about Sam Howell. I do like the signing of Jacoby Brissett as an unrestricted free agent, but those guys should not preclude the Commanders from taking a quarterback at any point in the 2023 draft if They really like the quarterback. The question with Hendon Hooker is Is he worthy of the commanders really liking him? Uh, Hooker, over his two seasons as Tennessee quarterback, was great. Uh, He, in January 2021, transferred from Virginia Tech to Tennessee. Hooker for Tennessee over the 2021 and 2022 seasons, 58 touchdown passes versus just five interceptions, a yards per pass attempt of 9.62, and a school record career completion percentage of 68.83, breaking a record that had been held by the great Peyton Manning. Uh, Also, Hooker for the 2022 season, it was number two among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR. Uh, Hooker is tall to whatever extent that quarterback height matters, so he yet the 2023 NFL scouting combine measured as being 6-3. However, there are multiple significant concerns with Hendon Hooker the injury, the offense, and the age. Uh, the injury Hendon Hooker suffered a torn left ACL in Tennessee's 63 38 loss at South Carolina this past November 19th. Do you want to be spending a day one or day two pick on a quarterback coming off a torn left ACL? Also, the offense. Uh, Hooker at Tennessee did not play in a pro-style offense. The offense was one in which there were little pre-snap reading and post-snap processing of information. Now, it is true that NFL offenses are becoming more and more like college football offenses, but a high-level guest on this podcast, pro football focus senior data analyst and commanders fan Nick Ackridge, who is a big Tennessee fan, uh, he expressed big concerns about Hooker as an NFL quarterback based on his offense at Tennessee. Uh, This was in episode 520 of the podcast. And then there is Hooker's age. Hendon Hooker is 25. He's already in his athletic prime, which is believed to be in an athlete's mid-20s. Hooker was a college quarterback for six seasons, 2017 through 2020 at Virginia Tech in 2021 and 2022 at Tennessee. How about this? Only one quarterback, 25 or older, has been taken in the first round of an NFL draft in the common draft era, which started with the 1967 NFL draft. And that quarterback was Brandon Whedon, (laughs) who the Cleveland Browns took with the number 22 pick in the 2012 NFL draft and uh, who was a bust. Uh, Look, that doesn't mean that Hendon Hooker will be a bust. Uh, I am intrigued by Hended Hooker. If you've been watching ESPN, NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum loves Hended Hooker, okay? Uh, there absolutely are concerns, though, with Hooker, but his stock does seem to be rising, and he is coming for a visit with the Commanders. Well, we need to pace ourselves with the Nationals this season. There are going to be losses, many losses, but what happened on Tuesday night was especially bad. The Nats fell to 1-4 with a 10-6 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays at Nationals Park in Game 2 of a three-game series. The Nats in this game blew a 6-4 eighth-inning lead as their bullpen, their closer in particular, completely fell apart. Uh, reliever Hunter Harvey came into the game to begin the eighth inning with the Nats leading 6-4. Uh, Harvey, in that top of the eighth, allowed a run. Uh, allowed a run on a one-out walk of Yandi Diaz and a two-out RBI double by Randy Arena on a 1-2 pitch to the left center field gap to cut the Nats lead to 6-5. And then came the Nats closer, Kyle Finnegan. And uh, the Nats closer was not close. Uh, Kyle Finnegan was a disaster in the top of the ninth, during which he gave up three home runs, allowed five runs, and recorded just one out. Uh, Finnegan came into the game with the Nats nursing a 6-5 lead, but he gave up a home run to each of the first two batters he faced. Just like that, that lead was gone. Uh, Finnegan gave up a first pitch opposite field leadoff homer by Luke Rayleigh to left field to tie the game at six and then gave up a go-ahead solo homer by Josh Lowe on a bomb to the second deck in right field for a 7-6 raise lead. That home run went a projected 429 feet per stat cast. Then Finnegan issued a walk, a seven-pitch walk, of Isaac Paredes. Uh, Although Finnegan did end up picking off pinch runner Manuel Margot at second base off Margot having stolen second base. But Finnegan then gave up a hit, a one-out single to Taylor Walls to center field. Then Finnegan gave up another hit, a one-out double by Jose Siri off the right center field scoreboard. And then came the death blow. Finnegan giving up a one-out three-run home run by Yandy Diaz into the Rays bullpen At left field for a 10-6 Rays lead. Kyle Finnegan did not have it on Tuesday night. You know, it's tricky with Kyle Finnegan because he at times does look really good. But when he's off, he's really off. And he was so off on Tuesday night. And it was remarkable watching this because it was as obvious as could be that Kyle Finnegan did not have it and yet Nats manager Davey Martinez kept Finnegan out there. Finally, Davey pulled Finnegan after the Yandy Diaz home run, but boy, did Davey had quite the lengthy leash on Finnegan on Tuesday night. Uh, Kyle Finnegan on Tuesday night was bad for a second time in three appearances in this young regular season. Uh, Finnegan in an ad 7-2 loss to the Atlanta Braves at Nationals Park last Thursday afternoon on opening day in the top of the ninth gave up three runs to earn. Uh, this was Davey Martinez during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on Kyle Finnegan, and then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges.
4: We'll look at some stuff, some videos, see if he's doing anything different, but his location for him is not good right now. Um, leaving balls out of the plate, can't get the ball in, so... We will want to take a look at some stuff for him, but um, I thought other than that, you know, we, we battled back, came back, boys played well, we hit the ball, um, played good defense, so um, it's just unfortunate, you know, you got to play nine innings. Yeah, we just couldn't, couldn't finish it. Uh,
0: would you, uh, would you just, like, how, how would you assess, like, his reaction when he came out the game and
4: just, like, overall what you, what you saw? You yeah, I mean, he, I mean he, he was he was not happy. I mean, he's—you know—I'll he's, be honest with you—he's pissed. You know, um, this conversation I need to have one tomorrow. I mean, he, he's got to bounce back. We, I mean, he's a big part of our bullpen, so um, we'll get him straightened out. You
1: consider pulling him earlier in the game,
4: like you said, leaving him in for no. The- we just—I'm no, not going to pull him. Out. I said, you know, he's a closer. You know, so um, and we and we got to—we got to get him right, right. So, um, I, you know, I was going to give him 25 pitches and you know, to just kind of get out of it, but. Um, and they were just—they were on everything. From your
5: vantage point, what was going on
4: that he wasn't able to make the necessary adjustments from batter to batter? Yeah, I mean, I mean look—he he, he threw some pitches that were close, um, but then, then you know, when you get behind, yeah, they—you got, got good hitters. Um, like I said, it, it's just, it's loc- he's is just—he's just missing everything. You know, everything he, he, he did was just a mess. So, uh, too many balls right all over the plate.
1: Yeah, Kyle Finnegan on Tuesday night was a mess. I do wonder, given the Nats rebuilding state, if Davey Martinez kept Finnegan out there so that Finnegan could have himself, shall we say, a learning experience, a growth experience, and try to work his way through that mess. But I mean, Finnegan did not have it. Like, If you were really truly trying to win the game, I don't know why Kyle Finnegan out there. Now, it's not like Davey Martinez had a bunch of quality relievers to whom Davey could go, but still, you could always go to somebody. I mean, Davey did end up bringing in Hobie Harris, and Harris, in the top of the ninth, retired two of the three batters he faced in relief for Kyle Finnegan. You know, the Nats' other three relievers who pitched on Tuesday night beyond Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan were fine. I mentioned Hobie Harris. Uh, Rosmo Ramirez tossed a perfect top of the sixth. Carl Edwards Jr. tossed the perfect top of the seventh. And, you know, that's the other thing. Uh, Ramirez could have worked more than one inning. Edwards could have worked more than one inning so that you had a safety net uh, had Kyle Finnegan struggled. And boy, did he end up struggling on Tuesday night. Uh, the Nats' starting pitcher on Tuesday night was Chad Kuhl. Uh, he made his Nats' regular season debut. Chad Cool is the guy who was in the Nats' rotation in place of the Nats' top pitching prospect, Cade Cavalli, who uh, sadly... Is done for the season due to Tommy John surgery. Uh, the Nats signed Cool just two months ago. Uh, the team on February 4th announced the signing of Cool to a minor league contract with an invite to the Nats 2023 Major League Spring Training. This season is his age 30 season. Cool in the 2022 season, pitched for the Colorado Rockies. He, in the 2022 regular season, made 27 starts, but totaled just 137 innings, had an ERA of 572. Although, he did toss a shutout at Coors Field, a three-hit shutout of the mighty Los Angeles Dodgers, June 27th, 2022. Well, Chad Cool on Tuesday night, Allowed four runs in five innings, but this really was a tale of two outings. Cool in the top of the first allowed three runs on two singles, an RBI double, an RBI ground out, and a one out RBI sack fly. He did not get off to a good start, but then Chad Cool coasted. He over the rest of his start allowed one run in four innings, during which he retired 12 of the 14 batters he faced. cool in the top of the second did give up a two-out solo homer to Jose Siri to center field, but he rebounded quite nicely from that rough first inning. Uh, I mentioned Jose Siri homering. The Rays on Tuesday night, four home runs. The Nats on Tuesday night, zero home runs. But the Nats on Tuesday night did have 16 hits, and yet the Nats scored just six runs. You get 16 hits, you should score more than six runs. Why the Nats only scored just six runs? Well, 13 of the 16 hits were singles. The Nats just do not hit for power. 13 singles to go with three doubles and two walks. Uh, But five Nats each had at least two hits. Uh, C.J. Abrams finally has a hit. He was the Nats' starting shortstop and number nine batter. He went two for three with a double, a single, and a hit by pitch. The double was impressive. Abrams in the Nats' two-run second, a full-count opposite field double to left field for his first hit of this regular season, and the hit was a quality hit, concluded a nine-pitch plate appearance. Uh, Lane Thomas had a very nice game. He was the Nats starting right fielder and number one batter. He went three for five with a two-run double, an RBI single, and another single. Thomas in the Nats two-run second, a first-pitch two-run double to left field. Thomas in the Nats one-run fourth, a tie-breaking RBI single up the middle for a 5-4 Nats lead, and Thomas in the bottom of the sixth had a win out single to left field. Uh, Victor Robles had two singles, two leadoff singles, in fact. He was the Nats' starting center fielder and number eight batter, two for four. Robles in the Nats' two-run second, a first-pitch leadoff opposite field single into right field, and Robles in the Nats one-run fourth, a leadoff single to left field. Alex Call was the Nats starting left fielder and number five batter. He went three for four with a two-run single, two other singles, and a walk. A Call in the Nats two-run first, a two-out two-run single to left field, bottom of the third, a leadoff single, bottom of the fifth, a leadoff walk, and Call in the Nats one-run seventh, a leadoff single. Uh, and Jamer Candelario as the Nats starting third baseman and number three batter, two for five, with two singles, although he did strike out twice. But we also had a big hit for Luis Garcia off the bench. You know, Garcia, like C.J. Abrams, not off to a very good start, but Garcia on Tuesday night in the Nats, one-run seventh, a pinch RBI double to right field for a 6-4 Nats lead. So some good stuff from the Nats offense, but still way too little power. And yeah, the uh, Nats bullpen did not come through in this game. Game three for the Nats against the Rays at Nationals Park Wednesday afternoon at 105. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats' starting pitcher as they try to avoid a three-game sweep. All right. The Orioles so far are having a uh, rather wild season, but they now are three and two. Uh, Tuesday night, a 7-2 win at the Texas Rangers in game two of a three-game series as the O's for a second consecutive game. Joe Angel, we're in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That's right, Joe. The win column. And what happened with the O's on Tuesday night came as we had big Orioles news on Tuesday night. Multiple reports that the team is calling up its top pitching prospect, Grayson Rodriguez, a.k.a. Grayrod, to start Game 3 of this series at the Rangers Wednesday afternoon at 2.05. Yes, Grayson Rodriguez is set to make his Major League regular season debut. Uh, This would be the same Grayson Rodriguez, who per MLB pipeline is the number seven prospect in baseball and the number two pitching prospect in baseball. Now, the O's on March 27th did option Grayson Rodriguez to AAA Norfolk due to him having had a terrible exhibition season, uh, five starts, Fifteen and a third innings, ERA a seven zero four, WHIP a one fifty seven. He did strike out guys eleven point one five strikeouts per nine innings, but he did not look major league ready. However, the O's need a starter for Wednesday afternoon. Of what happened on Monday night, starter Kyle Bradish in the two nothing win at the Rangers, lasting for just one and two thirds innings due to suffering a right foot contusion and taking a liner off the bat of Jonah Heim, uh, the guy who was supposed to be the Orioles' starting pitcher for Tuesday night, Tyler. Wells instead was used in relief on Monday night, uh, and it was great. Five scoreless, hitless, and walkless innings. And the guy who was supposed to be the Orioles' starting pitcher for Wednesday afternoon, Kyle Gibson, instead, was the team starting pitcher on Tuesday night. And Gibson was very good. Two runs in seven innings. He had five strikeouts versus no walks. He gave up six hits, two homers, and four singles. He, over his seven innings, threw 88 pitches, 58 strikes versus 30 balls. I mean, these days, 88 pitches get you through like five innings. Tuesday night, 88 pitches were good enough for Kyle Gibson for seven innings. This was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night on what made Kyle Gibson so good. It's a start we needed. Um, Got everything. He
5: the the. That was the best sinker I've seen him throw this year, um, including spring training. Just that was a power sinker. He had a really good slider and changeup. Just pitched. Both sides of the plate. Kept them off balance. Um, got ground balls. Just did a, I mean, pitch count was low. It was just a great job of, of pitching. It's back-to-back nights of, of really, well, really well done uh, pitching by us.
1: Well, also good for the O's on Tuesday night. Their offense, seven runs on eight hits and three walks. That was it. Why? five of the eight hits were extra base hits, two home runs and three doubles. I mean, compare and contrast that with what the Nationals offense did on Tuesday night. The Nats on Tuesday night, six runs on 16 hits, 13 of which were singles. The Orioles on Tuesday night, seven runs on eight hits, five of which were extra base hits. Uh, Jorge Mateo homered, for a second consecutive game. He is the Orioles starting shortstop and number eight batter, two for four, with a two-run homer and a single. Mateo in an Orioles two-run third, had a first pitch, two-out, two-run homer to left field. Also, good game for Ryan Mountcastle. Good game for Mountie. Uh, He is the Orioles starting first baseman, at number three batter, two for five, with a three-run homer and a double. Mountcastle in an Orioles five-run second, had a two-out, three-run opposite field home run, of the right field foul pole. So the O's on Wednesday afternoon will go for the three-game sweep, and they will do so with Grayson Rod-Riguez. Grayrod making his Major League regular season debut. Now, Brandon Hyde, during his post-game session with reporters on Tuesday night, would not officially announce a starting pitcher for the O's on Wednesday afternoon. But again, multiple reports that Grayrod will be the guy, and by the way, the Rangers starting pitcher will be Jacob deGrom. Well, our Wizards, uh, they are down to their final three games of this NBA season. And I am happy to say that the Wizards now are in full tank mode. It was on Sunday that the Wizards were officially eliminated from playoff contention. But it now has been weeks in which the Wizards have not been playing multiple key players. The team, thankfully, is tanking down the stretch of this season. Now, I do not think that this signifies like an organizational shift by which the team is going into full tank mode. I do think that the team uh, still wants to do its thing of maybe possibly winning 45 regular season games and continuing to languish in mediocrity. But for the purposes of the rest of this NBA regular season, the Wizards are in full tank mode. Uh, They fell to 34 and 45 with a one one 40-128 loss to the NBA-leading Milwaukee Bucks at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. The Wizards lost for the 11th time in 14 games and lost for the 13th time in 17 games. Uh, The Wizards have wilted down the stretch of this season. Now, that lately has been about the tank, but let's be clear. This initially was a true wilting. The wilting has led to the tanking. But with the tanking, take a listen to all who did not play for the Wizards on Tuesday night. The Wizards were without six key players. Bradley Beal did not play for a seventh consecutive game due to left knee soreness. Kyle Kuzma did not play for an eighth consecutive game due to a sprained right ankle. Chris Daps Porzingis did not play for a third consecutive game due to a non-COVID illness. Monte Morris did not play for a second consecutive game due to right ankle soreness. Denny Avdia did not play due to left elbow bursitis. And Delon Wright did not play due to a non-COVID illness. How about that list of Wizards players? Guys who were out on Tuesday night. That, my friends, is what you call a tank. And to that... I say bravo. I want the Wizards with as good of a chance as is realistically possible to win the NBA Draft Lottery, or at least do well in the NBA Draft Lottery. And I know the Wizards basically never do well in NBA Draft Lotteries, but we can still hope. Uh, You're starting five on Tuesday night for the Wizards. Johnny Davis, Jordan Goodwin, Corey Kispert, Anthony Gill, and Daniel Gafford. Not exactly ideal against the NBA leading Bucs, although Davis did have a nice game. He, in 36 minutes, 30 seconds as a starter, went 2 of 5 on threes, 7 of 12 on twos, and 0 of 1 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, versus 1 turnover, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Uh, The Wizards' leading scorer on Tuesday night was Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Nunn in 22 minutes, 29 seconds off the bench, scored 24 points. Uh, He went 5 of 6 on threes, did go just 4 of 11 on twos, uh, 1 of 2 on free throws. He also had 7 rebounds, 6 assists, versus 1 turnover, and 2 steals. A salute to the Virginia product, Jay Huff, uh, he on Tuesday night in 26 minutes, 51 seconds off the bench, three of six on threes, two of four on twos, and four of five on free throws. He finished with 17 points, nine rebounds, two assists versus no turnovers, two steals, and a team best plus minus rating of plus seven. Yes, wahoo wah, Jay Huff. uh, The Wizards signed him to a two-way contract on March 1st. And get this, Jay Huff on Tuesday was named the 2022-2023 NBA G League Defensive Player of the Year. Nice job, Jay Huff. And a nice job by the Wizards in embracing the tank. Know who you are. Know what you are. A going nowhere NBA team. Uh, The Wizards have three games left. Next up, a game on Wednesday night at the Atlanta Hawks at 7.30. And that will do it. For you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You could tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 544. will feature plenty on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Nationals, Orioles, and Wizards. Game three of a three-game series for the Nats against the Tampa Bay Rays at Nationals Park is on Wednesday afternoon at one oh five. Game three of a three-game series for the O's at the Texas Rangers is on Wednesday afternoon at 2.05. And the Wizards are at the Atlanta Hawks Wednesday night at at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday.
3: I need a Super Bowl ring, and I would love to be uh, the owner of the Commanders.
5: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.